I'm excited about what we have to do today in Romans 7. Uh, ever since I knew I was going to speak on this in August, I've had this little tape going off in my head that says, wretched man that I am, wretched man that I am. So I'm going to be glad to be done with this so I can get that tape out of my head. Okay, so uh, let's dive in. Let me pray for us and we'll get rolling. Father, thanks for the opportunity just to pause for a second as we come together to uh, look at a passage that uh, is something that I know rings true with everybody sitting in this room, wretched men that we are. And so, uh, Lord, our prayer of thanksgiving is that you have not left us wretched men, but you've sent your son to die for us and uh, through his death to set us free from uh, this body of sin that uh, holds us captive. And because of that, we had the opportunity to be the men that your son um, designed us to be. May we be those guys. May we be willing to be transparent with each other and willing to let each other know what kind of wretched men that we are. So thanks for this time, and thanks for each one of these guys who have made uh, this sacrifice to be up early and to be here at Summit. Amen. All right, guys, so we're in the middle of studying the book of Romans. And I don't know about you, but I feel like we're kind of sprinting through the book of Romans. So keep up, and uh, if you'll do your work in, in the workbook as you go along, I think you're going to be uh, surprised at how well you know the book of Romans by the time that you're done. And it's our prayer, it's my prayer, that knowing that book impacts the way that we all live our daily lives as we are the men of Watermark who have a chance to make a difference, not only in this church, but in our homes and in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, and in this community, okay? So here we are. Um, um, let's take a quick review. You know, Paul, in um, his letters, has the practice of <clears throat> talking about a doctrine, and he does that in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. And then he talks about our duty in applying that truth in our daily lives, okay? And, you know, we've uh, had this little outline that uh, Blake suggested right at the beginning, that the first three chapters deal with sin, and chapters four through eight with salvation. That's where we are. We're right towards the end of that as we uh, talk about how do we live out this salvation? How do we work out this salvation with fear and trembling, uh, Paul says in Philippians 2, okay? And that's uh, chapters 4 through 8. And then in chapters uh, um, 9 through 11, Wagner's going to be up here in two weeks talking about sovereignty and how the sovereignty of God is played out in uh, his dealings with uh, his own chosen people, the nation of Israel. And then finally, <clears throat> we'll spend the last couple of weeks and JP will be up here for uh, the first of those two weeks uh, talking about service and how we live out the truths of the book of Roman. And then Blake will bring us home in the last uh, um, three chapters. And one of the things I hope he'll talk about is the legacy that we live. You know, in chapter 16, Paul talks about, and he mentions 30-something people by name. And you think about it, those are the folks who are his legacy in the church of Rome, a, a church that he had not yet even visited. Okay, so um, let's take a look at uh, our little chart. I hope you're filling out this chart 
as you go. Because when you're done, then you're going to have a great handle on the book of Romans, okay? And so for chapter 7, I titled it Delivered and chose our memory verse as the key verse, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? Wretched man that I am. There's that little uh, tape playing again and again. Okay? And so for the contents, um, you've got it right there. Let me uh, uh, just read through some of those verses with you, and you'll see where I got this for uh, recording as the content. And, you know, scholars debate, says, well, okay, is Paul describing his life before knowing Christ, or is this after he'd met Christ or whatnot? And I don't know about you, but, man, this struggle that Paul describes in Romans 7 that's going on uh, within himself rings true to me today uh, even more so than it did uh, before. There wasn't a real struggle before I came to Christ, okay? It was just the bad news, okay? But now that I know Christ, um, man, I see that struggle played out in myself. And so um, if you'll open your Bibles, we're just going to read a few verses We'll start in Romans 7, 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And so for the first section, it just, verses 1 through 6, we're released from the law to serve in the new way of the Spirit. And then verse 7. What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means, may it never be, uh, other translations have. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. And then, uh, um, so in uh, verses 7 through 12, it isn't the law that's sin, but it simply shows us how far we fall short of God's standard. It's a tutor to point us to Christ and to our need for Christ. In verses 14 and 15, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I, um, And how true does this ring? For I do not understand my own actions, for I, do, uh, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. How many times did that happen? Verses 18 and 19. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Paul makes that point over and over again that, hey, this is a struggle we cannot win on our own. Verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing, what I do as a practice, what I do as a habit. And then uh, verses 22 through 25, you see in uh, 22 and 23, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And you know, the, the point of Romans 7 is that we just can't win this battle on our own. And the conclusion of the chapter it's just what has captivated me since August. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he concludes 
with the only solution that we have. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So Romans 7 in a nutshell, um, verses 1 through 6, we're released from the law to serve in the way of the Spirit. Verses 7 through 12, it's not the law's fault. And then verses 13 through 23, I may be saved already, but I'm still captive to my sinful nature. And then the conclusion in uh, 24 and 25, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this tape that's been playing in my head throughout, you know, that's usually not my nature. You know, I usually am pretty easy on myself. And I think, you know, Bob, you've lived a pretty good life. From the world's perspective, the world would say, you've done okay, boy. You know, in college, uh, um, graduated near the top of my class. I was captain of the soccer team. I was named the most outstanding ROTC graduate in the nation. Okay? Um, law school, I was a law school, uh, an editor of the Law Review, got one of the awards at graduation. Um, out in the working world, I've been chairman of the Byron Nelson. I've uh, been president of Big Brothers and Big Sisters. I've been uh, president of the Highland Park Education Foundation, appointed by the governor of Virginia to be on the board of visitors. You know, I've got a lot that I could sit there and say, you know, you've done okay. But I have this little tape going in my head, wretched man that I am. And I sit there and I say, you know, if those guys knew the heart that was behind what was going on in some of those actions, it's not real pretty. It's not real pretty. And, you know, the idea that I am indeed a wretched man really rings a lot truer than I would want any of you guys to know. You know, you just don't want to share your junk with a room full of guys. But you know, guys, that's what I think this chapter is calling us to be willing to do, to acknowledge that we are not the guys, that the, we're not the facade that we present to the public. And so one of the things I hope we'll do today in our groups is that we will be willing to kind of lift the curtain a little bit and show, you know, what the wizard's really like behind the scenes manipulating things. Show what our heart is really like to each other. Because, you know, that old saying that Wagner likes to say that, you know, man, if you knew my heart, you wouldn't be in here. But if I knew your heart, I wouldn't let you in here. Okay? So, you know, all of us have something to say. We are indeed wretched men. And so some of you are sitting there saying, okay, see, I knew. He's just a goody two-shoes. He'd never done anything in his life to really say that uh, he's wretched. How can he understand the hell I've been living through? Well, you know, boys, I've got some of that in my own past. You know, um, i got my boy sitting out there. I don't think he knows this, but I've been arrested, been fired, been a lousy husband at times. He knows that. Um, been an angry dad. He definitely knows that. I've been, um, you know, the kind of guy that 
I wouldn't want to stand up here and have to tell a room full of guys that I've been that kind of guy. But you know, at the same time, as I look back uh, at those times, I think about, you know, how was the heart doing in syncing up with what the mouth was saying? And sometimes it was good, and sometimes it was not so good. You know, out on the golf course, Bob Rudy can tell you, you know, not so good. You know, uh, at VMI, I learned uh, some things that uh, would make a sailor blush in the way to express yourself. You know, there's, uh, it's amazing how many different ways a four-letter word can be used in uh, parts of speech in the English language. And out on the golf course, you might see them all, and Rudy's heard them all, okay? Not my finest moments out on the golf course. Okay? I've been ashamed of the gospel at times. How about that? How'd you like to stand up and tell everybody uh, that you've been ashamed of the gospel? But you know, guys, I've been even more ashamed of my own actions because I do not do what I want, but I do the very things that I hate. Verse 15. I've had the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For as verse 19 says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And so where does that leave us? Wretched man that I am. I can share Paul's pain as he cries out, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? And I bet each of us sitting in this room can do exactly the same sort of thing. And you know, the good news, the grace thing is that God does not leave us there. Doesn't leave you there and doesn't leave me there. And what this makes me think of is the uh, parable of the prodigal son. Because, you know, I've played uh, just about every part in that uh, little uh, story. I've been the prodigal at times who've squandered the gifts of time, talent, and treasure that the Lord's uh, graciously given me. I've been the self-righteous older brother um, who's let bitterness overtake me. And I come to the conclusion, wretched man that I am, either way I go on that. But when I ask the question, who will set me free from this body of death, that same compassionate father in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, the one who saw his prodigal son coming back from a far distance and ran after him, that same uh, compassionate father, our heavenly father, has run after me, and he's running after you as well. He seeks to call you back to his family, uh, whether you're the prodigal or the self-righteous older brother. And he's the one that sacrificed his own son to set even wretched men like you and me free from the sin that holds us captive. And that freedom can be uh, ours today. And so today in your groups is a chance to share with your groups that you too are a wretched man who needs to be set free to do the things that you truly want to do. And so here are three questions to talk about in your groups. What things in your life are making you a wretched man? Okay, guys, it's gut check time. Do you have the guts to share with the guys in your group the things that are making you a wretched man. And even more importantly, are you willing to do something about them? Are you willing to let Christ do something about them in your own life?
And the second question is, uh, who will you serve and how will you do this? Are you willing to do what Scripture calls us to do to experience the freedom that Christ has already purchased for us on the cross? Romans 6.16 says, you're slaves of the one whom you obey. We're slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So who are we going to obey today? And thirdly, third question, how can your group pray for you this week in a targeted, specific sort of way as you deal with these things in your lives? Do you have the courage to acknowledge your need for prayer, to stop fooling around with superficial prayers? And to really do business with each other on a heart level. And so, how can we realize this freedom today? Let me close with a quote from George Barna. It's a great quote. It says, only about 3% of all self-identified Christians in America have come to the final stops on the transformational journey. The places where they have surrendered control of their lives to God submitted to his will for their life, and devoted themselves to loving and serving God and other people. Three percent. That's what I want us to be. I want us to be part of that three percent. And so we ask ourselves a couple of questions again. Who are we going to obey? And how are we doing in living that kind of transformed life where we submit to his will We devote ourselves to loving and serving God and others, and we surrender control. Whose offense are we going to run? Are we going to run God's offense, or are we going to run our own? Well, I've seen what happens when I run my own, and that's not always very pretty. All right, I'm surrounded by a bunch of rocks up here. You know, rocks just like this. Okay? And so, you know, Wagner's been calling us, to uh, um, share on these rocks. If you've been transformed by the rock who is Christ, from a wretched man who's dead in his sins to one who has freedom, then I want to invite you this morning, we're going to close a little early, to come up here and take one of these rocks and write your story on it. Okay? And so, you know, you don't have a whole lot of space, so think Twitter for rocks. Okay? And so be short and be specific and talk about in just a few spaces how has God transformed your life, okay? Um, Here's what I put. I put once defined by worldly success, but now heart transformed by Christ to serve him, to love and serve him and others. And so it doesn't have to be uh, beautiful prose or anything, but it needs to be authentic to the way Christ has transformed your life. And so uh, when we close here in a second, come on up here. And if you think, hey, well, I don't know about the transformation in my life and you want to talk about it, I'll be up here to talk. But uh, I'd really encourage you to come up here and fill out one of these rocks to talk about how Christ has transformed your life. And so next week in Romans 8, we're going to see how uh, you can experience this freedom in Christ in a way that helps us make obedience a daily habit. 
And you know, chapter 8 also answers the big question of how can we know that we're secure in our uh, allegiance and obedience to Christ. And so it's going to be a fun time to do chapter 8 on the heels of wretched man that I am. Let me close this in a word of prayer. Father, you know what kind of wretched men that we are. And yet at the same time, you sent your son to die for us. Lord, all we can say is that we are grateful. And may we be the kind of men that you designed us to be, transformed by uh, the rock in our lives, uh, Jesus Christ. So thanks for these guys. Amen. So come on up, and there are pins up here already, and come fill out one of these rocks.